reaching Israel and the world. Shalom, Yedidim. Shalom, beloved friends. Welcome today to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Cynthia Marjorie, my love, we're going to be looking today in the 52nd and 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, which is, I believe, the strongest prophecy in the Hebrew Bible about the Messiah. There are many others that are very strong as well, but as Isaiah 52 and 53 really stands out. And what it focuses on is how Jesus was rejected and how he died for our sin. But it's interesting that Jesus said, if they persecuted me, if they rejected me, they're gonna persecute you. But you know, a lot of people that name the name of Jesus are not willing to be persecuted or rejected for him. Right, I think it's after we journey and, and go down this road with the Lord. First, we're so full of joy when he, he saves us, when he, he lifts us up out of our burdens, our troubles, and reveals that he's the way and that his blood has covered our sins, and we're so excited about that. But then as we journey down the road with him, we find that we too have to carry our cross, mm. just like Yeshua did in this realm today. And it's not easy, and even today I think all over the globe, it's, it's becoming harder and harder for the Christian to really bear the word of truth. And so today, we're just going to look to the Lord and find the truth that we will bear with Yeshua. One of the things that has shifted in our culture is that there is no longer an agreed upon set of values or of truth. What is happening today is that anybody can get online and propagate anything at all. And if it's said long enough, people will unfortunately oftentimes begin to believe that it's truth. You've heard the saying before, if a lie is repeated enough, eventually people lose sight of the fact it's a lie and they begin to accept it as truth. We're living in a society which makes it very difficult to understand what is truth. Of course, this question, what is truth? It's a question that has been a millennial years in the asking as Yeshua stood before Pilate and Yeshua stood before him saying, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? Well, today that question is even more contested. And the reason that I'm bringing it up, beloved, on today's show is because when we study messianic prophecy, what we're doing is we're going back hundreds and thousands of years ago to see what the prophets of God proclaimed and then are seeing visibly how the prophets' words predicting the future came to pass. And we're focusing, of course, today on how Yeshua HaMashiach brought the words of the prophets to pass in his own life and ministry. The point is, is that when we see a prophecy that was given thousands of years ago, and then you see Yeshua specifically fulfill it in a detailed way, we see this is truth. It's not simply subjective, which most prove today is subjective. It changes with the culture. The, 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 the concept of what's right and wrong, it's no longer objective, it's subjective. It changes as the world modernizes. I remember, for example, that I'm 62 years old and my mom, uh, 
unfortunately, didn't breastfeed me. And I remember my wife, Cynthia, who breastfed all our children. I remember Cynthia talking to my mother and saying, you know, why didn't you breastfeed, Kurt? And my mom said, well, it just wasn't really, you know, in vogue at the time. She didn't use the word in vogue, but it just wasn't what was culturally happening in her circle. And so because in her circle, uh, which was, you know, a liberal uh, 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 Jewish community in Cleveland, Ohio, which most Jewish people, as you know, in, uh, in the United States are more liberal, um, that culture was just not breastfeeding during those days. And so my mom felt, you know, feeding with the bottle was right. God's Word does not change with the times. God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the most cutting-edge ways that we see this is in the area of messianic prophecy. Once again, we look at the words of the prophets that prophesied thousands of years ago, and then we see how Yeshua fulfilled those words that were spoken way before His lifetime in a scientific, measurable way. And so we are in our series on messianic prophecy. And I left off last time, I was talking about the words of the prophet Isaiah in the 53rd chapter. Now let me say that Isaiah is one of the books most frequently quoted in the Shah in the New Testament. In fact, one of my favorite prophecies from the book of Isaiah that's quoted in the book of Matthew is in Matthew chapter 8. Yeshua had just got done preaching his longest recorded sermon recorded in the Gospels. It was on the Sermon of what we call the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was preaching from the mountaintop. After he preached again this longest sermon that's recorded in the New Testament, he came down the mountain. And as he was coming down the mountain, he started running into all these people that needed a physical healing, one after another after another. Uh, one person came to him that needed to be delivered from a demon. And finally, after many episodes had taken place, different episodes along the pathway where Jesus had physically healed or delivered somebody, we finally get to the climax of this, and it begins here in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 16. Hear the word of God. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and, listen, healed all who were ill. So now he's already delivered many people, healed many people, time is moving on, and now it's the evening. And everybody was coming to him. They brought to him many people that were demon-possessed and physically ill. And the Bible says Jesus healed all who were ill, and he cast out the demons with the word. Now listen to the next verse that Matthew records here. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. This is an exact quote from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 4. I love the book of Isaiah because what Isaiah shows us, particularly at the end of chapter 52, and all through chapter 53, is that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. That Jesus took our sin in his own body on the tree, and he gave us instead his righteousness and his health. By his stripes, we are healed. 
It's the principle of substitutionary sacrificial atonement. Jesus, the innocent one who knew no sin and had no illness in his body, died on the cross in our place, taking our sin and our sickness in his body and giving us back his righteousness and his health instead. So Isaiah 53 is one of the most transactional chapters in the Word of God. It shows how we went from darkness to light. It all is summed up in the atonement of Jesus. Now, messianic prophecy, I believe, finds its climax in Isaiah chapter 53. So I want to take just a few minutes today, beloved one, and I want to read the last few verses of Isaiah chapter 52, and then I'm going to read all through Isaiah 53. I just want you to absorb it. We're studying messianic prophecy, and to me, this is the most complete, profound messianic portion in the entire Tanakh, in the entire Hebrew Bible, even though there are many prophetic messianic portions in the Hebrew Bible. But I believe messianic prophecy finds its climax at the end of Isaiah chapter 52 in through Isaiah 53. Now, keep in mind, it's just a tidbit of information, when the uh, scroll of Isaiah was first written, there was no chapter divisions. In other words, when Isaiah recorded his prophecy, he didn't write 52, Isaiah 52. It was just all one scroll. But later, the scribes added chapters and verses so that people could easily find their place and reference and be on the same track with one another. In other words, you can go to your Bible today and you can go to Isaiah 52, verse 13, and you can find it precisely where I'm going to begin. Um, I remember a funny uh, a story that I witnessed one time where uh, the, uh, the person that was uh, standing in the synagogue, he was reading the Torah portion for the day, and uh, he was reading through the, through, the, through the Torah, and he lost his place. And he said, I lost my place because, you know, it's, uh, there's no markings in the Torah. And so he's reading through the Torah, and, and he lost his place, and he said, oh, I lost my place. And the person uh, a little bit off to the side said, well, it's, 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 it's the place where it says, the Lord said to Moses. And the joke is, when you read through the Torah, you see that phrase over and over and over and over again, the Lord said to Moses. So um, you couldn't really find your place by finding the spot in the Torah where it said, the Lord said to Moses. But if you said a specific chapter and verse, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 2, then you could easily get to that place. So again, just a little explanation to the fact that there were originally not chapters and verses, but these were added by the translators so that we could all be on the same page and find our place together. In today's Hebrew Moments, I want to focus on the title of God, El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. In the book of Bereshit, or Genesis chapter 17, we find the Lord appears to Abraham, and he says to Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Once again, translated in our English Bibles as, I am God Almighty. And as we continue to read through that 17th chapter of the book of Genesis, we find that the Lord, El Shaddai, tells Abraham that his wife is going to conceive Sarah and bear him a child. Now, what was so preposterous about this is that Sarah 
was around 90 years old and Abraham was 99. And so because it was a scientific impossibility, because this was not possible for either Abram or Sarah to be able to bring forth a child at that age in life, God said to him, I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai. And this produced a faith in Abraham's heart that what God said would come to pass would come to pass because he was Almighty God. Nothing was too difficult for him. Beloved, God's names and titles reveal who he is. He's the same for you as he was to Abraham. We've been called to be salt and light to the world, but Rabbi cannot share the truths from God's Word without help from you. Would you pray and consider donating or becoming a monthly partner with Rabbi as he ministers principles from God's Word through television, the internet, and on-the-ground outreaches, equipping the body of Christ, building the church, and evangelizing the world? Call 800-777-7835 or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Join those who have said yes to the calling. Help Rabbi build God's kingdom through the global outreaches of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Call today or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Let's open our hearts now to hear the word of God. Behold, my servant will prosper. Now remember, this is all about Jesus. Behold, and how do we know it's all about Jesus? Because I just read from the book of Matthew chapter 8, and he was quoting from this portion that I'm about to read, and he was saying this was all about Jesus. So we interpret the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh through the lens of the Brit Kadashah or the New Testament, because we know that prophecy finds its climax in the New Testament through whom all of the Hebrew Bible aimed towards. Let's start again. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form was more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And so let me simply say here that Isaiah is delivering this tremendous secret that's about to be revealed. And he's talking about this one emerging whom people wouldn't recognize, that his face would be marred. But this was the one that held the key to the nations and was the secret to victory. But now Isaiah is going to continue in Isaiah 53, 1. He's going to say, even though this one that I'm declaring and describing is the key, he's the mystery of mysteries. He's the one that unlocks everything. All the treasures of mystery are found in him. Isaiah said, the problem was that people didn't recognize him. And so Isaiah continues in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. Notice here, it's he, speaking of Yeshua, growing up before him, the father. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. In other words, he was a human being in his flesh. He was just like every other man. 
There was nothing special about his flesh. You know, as an infant, he still looked helpless. And so he grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. There was nothing special in Yeshua's physical appearance because his power and his genius was not in his physical appearance. It was what was inside. He was clothed with humanity, but inside there was divinity. He was despised and forsaken of men. You know, when truth confronts power, truth is despised. That's why we live in such a politically correct society today, because people are oftentimes afraid to speak the truth. What happens to people that speak the truth to power? They're rejected. They're despised. They're ganged up on. And so Jesus, too, was a man that spoke truth to power, and as a result of that, he was hated. The Bible says that darkness hates the light. And so Jesus was despised and rejected of men. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. And let me just take a step here for a second and just go off to the side and make an application for you and I. This is specifically speaking of Jesus. But we're his body. And I want to prepare you, beloved one. I want to prepare, prepare you, church, that if you'll continue to stand for Yeshua, if you'll continue to stand for Jesus, and you'll continue to have a bold testimony in this generation moving forward, if you'll continue to declare that Yeshua is the only way to heaven, as the Word of God teaches, if you'll continue to declare biblical morals, I want to tell you, you too will be rejected. You too will be despised. You too will become like one who men don't want to associate with. Because we live in a wicked culture. We live in a godless generation. We live in an era where people are swimming in iniquity. And when you speak truth to vileness, when you speak truth to a society that is entrapped in wickedness, when you speak truth and light into the darkness, it's going to react and jump and gang up on you. People today, unfortunately, are afraid to speak the truth because the enemy tries to silence them. But let me tell you, it doesn't take a majority to carry the day. It only takes a majority that keeps their mouth silent for a minority to sway and change the world. We must not keep silent. We must be bold. We must stand and take our place in Messiah Yeshua, speaking the truth, naming his name as the name above all names, and speaking truth into a godless world, and coming against the moors of this world, standing on the ancient foundation, even if it means we are rejected. Because Jesus said, if they hated you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're rejected. And men speak all kinds of insults about you because of me. For great is your reward in heaven. But if we keep silent, if we don't be who Jesus called us to be, the light of the earth, the light of the world and the salt of the earth, if we don't be like those that are on a mountaintop shining as light so people can see, then what good are we, Jesus said. We need to stand for the truth down here, even if it means we're rejected, just like was the case with King Jesus himself. So let's go on. We're simply saying that Isaiah declared what would happen when Messiah came, that he'd be despised and rejected. And I just simply made the application, beloved one, that you and I as his body, 
If we walk in his light, if we reflect his nature, if we declare his words, the same thing that he faced, we will face. We are rejected with him. All that desire, the scripture says, to live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and Isaiah said, we did not esteem him. But surely he continues in verse number four. Our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, Isaiah was saying, you don't get it. Yeah, he was, he was marred. Yes, he, his face was distorted because of what people did to him as a result of his testimony. But Isaiah is telling us here, it was because of your sin that this happened to him. Verse 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, Isaiah says, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. And each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He stood before Pilate. He kept silent. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before it cheers. So he did not open his mouth. And Isaiah just continues on to talk about how this was God's purpose to allow his son to be crushed and put to death, to be scourged, whipped, pierced through in his hands and feet. Why? Beloved ones, because he was taking our sin in his own body on the tree. Jesus is the Messiah. We're not looking for some other type of messianic figure. We're not looking for some new world leader to bring peace and harmony. It will never happen. We're not looking for someone to come and tell us that everything's okay. To include everybody, I read yesterday about a situation in California where there was a situation where a, a pedophile, a homosexual pedophile, uh, abused a child, and the judges were told by somebody in government not to do, be too hard on this case because we don't want to be too hard on the LGBT community for fear that we're going to uh, get repercussion from that. Everybody is stepping back and saying instead, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Let's just bless it all. Let me tell you, the Messiah is not coming in some future political leader that blesses everything without boundaries and the absolute morals of the Word of God. No, Messiah has already come. And His name is Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. And Yeshua said, straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. We don't have to do it alone, but we have to call out for mercy, call out for help, accept God's written word of God as the standard for morality and right and wrong and the call of righteousness upon our life, and seek, beloved, strive, Jesus said, to enter in. Jesus has come once and for all. And beloved, we must receive him now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Shalom Yedidim, that's Hebrew for beloved friends. I hope and pray that you are blessed and strengthened by today's program. I want you to consider this. 
Those of you that are already financially supporting the ministry, do you know that there are many people that were watching Discovering the Jewish Jesus just now, just like you are, who are not supporting the ministry financially? And yet, because of those of you that are supporting us, people today were sitting on their couches during this last half hour. They were strengthened, they were blessed, and perhaps many were even saved. We get testimonies of people that have come to the Lord for the first time through this ministry all the time. So those of you that are financially supporting us, I want you to know this ministry is bearing a lot of fruit and the church is being built all over the earth because of you. For those of you that are being blessed by this ministry and strengthened, maybe you're even watching for the first time, I want to ask you today, would you too become a monthly partner of Discovering the Jewish Jesus? I want to thank you for your love and for your financial support. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I'm on the Mount of Olives, and I want to close the broadcast today by speaking the blessing that Father God said should be spoken over his people. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, Speak these words over my people, and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yahweh Yahweh Vihunecha Yisayaweh Penavelecha Veasem Lecha May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by his countenance. And Father God is going to continue, his beloved child, to give you his peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, learn how the Hebrew Bible prophesied about the resurrection of Jesus and how that can solidify your faith as a believer today. 